Hey, hey, 80s Nation, I know it's a year away, but the 80s cruise is 92% sold out. Time is running out for you to get your cabin. Don't miss the ship that's going to include performances by The Human League, 38 Special, Berlin, Berlin to Carlisle, Morris Day in the Time, ABC, Dire Straits Legacy, Modern English, Jack Russell's Great White, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, A Flock of Seagulls, The Alarm, The Sugar Hill Gang, John Parr, Johnny Hates Jazz, <gasps> and of course the entire event is hosted by the original MTV VJs Mark, Allen, and Nina. Uh, Brad and I will be there hosting trivia and recording live podcasts. You can join us. Go to www.the80scruise.com right now and use the promo code STUCK when booking to get $200 cabin credit. That's the code STUCK for first-time guests for $200 cabin credit. Can't wait to meet you and cruise with you March 2022 on the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas. Now on with the show. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Stuck in the A's, it's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in L.A. And today we go back to the year 1985 to finish up our conversation talk about the songs that made it all the way to number two on the chart. But no further. It's our Close But No Cigar series. Vaughn into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Stuck in the 80s is now listener-supported via Patreon. Join us for VIP Zoom happy hours and more when you join at patreon.com slash stuckinthe80spodcast. Podcast time machine. Engaged. Setting instruments for the year 1985. 80s Nation, we're back. And we're still stuck in the year 1985, which is fine by me. We could spend the rest of this podcast's history in the year 1985, and I would be just fine with that. Man, it's a brand new year. I understand there's a New Year's Eve dance at your school. You kids love this disco thing. Disco? Come on, Dad. Should we go, like, day by day? Do, like, an episode per day of 1985? Let's see. It was Tuesday. I had a limited amount of math homework. <laughs> I don't think I had any math my scene. This would have been our, our second semester of our senior year and then our first semester of college. I, I'm pretty sure there was no math involved for me at this point. Hmm. I was told there would be no math. So, uh, as always, we need to give a hat tip to Chuck Coverley, our good friend. Uh, he is the one who gave us the spreadsheet, the spreadsheet of all these the songs. document of truth. And we always joke that his spreadsheet goes back to the beginning of time, but I'm going to look. It goes back to 1960. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, and if you look at it, like in those early in the 1960 and 61, 62, there, there'll be like one song that's number one for three months and knocks everything out. It's like, yeah. wow. And it goes all the way to the end of 1999. It's kind of weird to see the names. I mean, like I, I don't even recognize some of these artist names, a lot of them actually. Brian McKnight, 
Mark Morrison, Meredith Brooks, no. The wannabe introverts? Yeah, I can't, uh, I can't peg any of them, which is fine, because that's not the decade we're about. You are really bringing me over, man. Anyway, Brad's going to get it started this week. Uh, Brad, what's your first uh, Close But No Cigar song from 1985? Here we go, Steve. We're coming in hot. Right in the middle of July, 1985, so second half of the year podcast, second half of the year calendar. I love it when it lines up like that. I'm going to count it in just like Prince. One, two, one, two, three, four. Raspberry Beret. I was still a hardcore Prince fan at this point. I mean, this yeah. was the follow-up album to Purple Rain. Right. And I just thought he'd be like Purple Rain for the rest of his life, which would have been follow which would have been fine right. by me. Next would be, you know, Chartreuse Rain, followed by you know, Ombre Rain or something. But uh that didn't really go that way, did it? Um you know, no, for a Prince song, this is about as tame lyrically as it gets. You know, this is not your Tipper Gore anger song. About as racy as it gets is, if it was warm, she wouldn't wear much more. And then a, a quick reference somewhere about riding down by old man Johnson's farm. I never really got the double entendre until just Didn't really now. put that one together? <laughs> no, yeah. Not yeah. Great, great. I'm here to help. So as you said, this is, this is the lead single from Around the World in a Day. Um, and really, I think that our friends in the greater Minneapolis metro area will agree with me that this is a really fine example of the Minneapolis sound in the mid-80s. A lot of people would say it's the Prince sound, but I don't want to put it all on on Prince. I think there were other people that were doing the thing. Uh, Obviously, he was influential, but I'm going to stick with the Minneapolis sound for that. This album came out in April uh, Prince was going to release Paisley Park as the lead single right after the 1985 Grammy ceremonies, the night that he won three trophies. But he changed his mind and he didn't release any singles, um, nothing in advance of the album release. And so the label wasn't really promoting singles yet. And when the album hit the stores, MTV and radio weren't really sure what they should be playing from it. So that kind of forced his hand a little bit. And he ended up uh, picking this track as the lead single because it sounded like the most kind of pop friendly. It's it's the last album he did with the revolution too, right? Yeah. So it was originally, he had originally recorded it in 1982, but this version that we know and we love was reworked for the, the kind of the fan favorite revolution lineup, if you will, with Wendy and Lisa and Dr. Fink and Brown Mark on bass and Bobby Z on the drums. And that lineup didn't stick around for very long. Uh, Prince fired everyone but Dr. Fink in 1986 because you got to get those prescriptions from somewhere, brother. <laughs> and I hear you saying, Brad, what about the video? You know, if you're not saying it, I'm going to talk to you about it a little bit anyway. Uh, there's no outstanding examples in my selections this week like there were of the billy ocean video there's nothing that and it gets anywhere close to that level but this was kind of interesting i'll just give you i'll sum it up for you it's a band performance prince is wearing a cloud covered sky blue suit which actually looks great there's a lot of choreographed audience dancing there's a small string quartet wearing hooded cloaks which is 
interesting. And a lot of chroma keyed animation and kind of fiddling around with the with the video gain and levels and stuff. So it's you know it's fun. It's a little psychedelic looking. Um, Prince's hair in it looks like it was lowered from a crane onto his head. <laughs> it might be worth a look just for that. But uh, that's that's kind of what we got got there for Raspberry Beret. What I'm just curious. I mean this this to me is a signature song by him. There, there must be some epic anthem that kept it out of the top spot. Yeah, here we go. The song that kept us out of the top spot was this track that you might have heard at the cinemas that year. When you say track, you mean trash. I really don't like this song. You don't like it either. I I really do not like the song. I don't like the movie. There are aspects of the movie that are fine. I'm a big James Bond fan. Me too. And this one, bottom of the list. I mean, Roger Moore is just too old. And the the villain performances are, I won't say they're wasted, because I think that Zorin and Mayday are fantastic, but it just... You know, they didn't have going up against the junior varsity in this one. So, <laughs> I, I love the name of it. A View to a Kill is the perfect name of a James Bond movie. And, yeah. I, and I guess, you know, in, in, in all fairness, I mean, I know Duran Duran still plays this song every single show. I mean, it's it's a big moment in their concerts, but I can't get the stink of the movie off it. Yeah, I just I just don't think it's a great song. It is, however. If you didn't know this, this is fun. It is the only Bond theme to hit number one in the United States. Wow. Yeah. And it's also the last Durandran single that was released before they kind of went their separate ways into their side projects, yeah. Arcadia and Power Station. And what I always remember it for is it's the song that threw Simon LeBond's voice into uh, strange places at Live Aid. In all fairness to, to Simon, a lot of people's voices went in strange places at Live Aid. And the... the the sound was not great for a lot of bands. I think we color coat that day as being like this day of epic performances, but there were not everything was. <laughs> yeah, no, not everything was, and and his moment is probably remembered more than it should be. Yeah, you know, Charlie Brown gets a rock in his bag at every house. We <laughs> yeah. get to listen to Simon LeBond sit on that note every time we watch the Live Aid DVDs. Yeah. I mean, at least he was at least he was uh, big enough about it to not block the whole performance like yeah. uh, Led Zeppelin was. <laughs> So many problems. As much as as much as we romanticize Live Aid, there's it has its problems. Um, this song, though, in my mind, has no problems, and and rightfully, I'm happy to 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 dub it as a close but no cigar song. Uh, you might remember this little ditty from Tina Turner from September 1985. Title is technically "We Don't Need Another Hero," but I always like that in parentheses they put "Thunderdome." <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like we've talked about this song on the show before with Drew. We Am probably I making did. that up. No, no. I mean, we, Drew, Drew hasn't been on the show in like over a year, so it's hard. hard I know to he, say. he doesn't much care for us anymore. Apparently, <laughs> he's busy. 
so we don't need another hero, obviously from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, which okay, I have to ask you right now. Are, are you are you how much of a Mad Max fan are you? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Mad Max, I think, is interesting for the historical record. Road Warrior is a perfect movie. Thunderdome, eh, I'll watch it. I started watching Thunderdome again today, and I just struggle. And I, I know, people, really, I know people worship the Mad Max series of movies. I just, I don't connect with them at all. I mean, really, I, I, I like, I, I, I like. Mel Gibson's mm, you know why? No, because it's a western. That's why you don't like them. They're westerns. <laughs> they really western. are. They're westerns. You know. You know. The gunslinger comes to town. Yeah. Too much sand. Everyone's very dirty. <laughs> too much sand. Can we get a shower in this place? You're yeah. in Australia. You're surrounded by water. Come on. You just know there's not a glass of ice water anywhere to be had. And yeah, unless Doc Brown's got his machine working. Turn that valve over there. Thanks. Anybody who knows my drinking habits knows that I like my glasses are full of like it's it's eighty five percent ice and then like fifteen percent liquid, usually whiskey. Mm. But ice is important to me, and there is no ice in Mad Max. Hence, I do not like Mad Max. But let's 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 but put that, about that. <laughs> let's put that aside for a minute. We don't need another hero. I, I do enjoy this song. The video is just your typical movie soundtrack video with, you know, sure. her performing in her outfit with, you know, scenes from the movie. Great. Master, 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 the, the Mad Max movies. Yeah, yes, you actually can. <laughs> so, but, Opinions um, are a funny thing. It's a power ballad, um, which are, you know, it's hard to not like a power ballad. It did get the Golden Globe nomination for Best Original Song, and it did get the Grammy nomination for Best Female Pop Vocalist in 1986. It lost nice. both. What? It lost Golden Globe to uh, Say You Say Me from Lionel Richie from White Knights, hmm. which is ridiculous. I'm sorry. I... And then it lost the Grammy, probably rightfully so, to Whitney Houston for saving all my love for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, those are, yeah. Try to compare Whitney Houston's vocal style to Tina Turner, and it's just, you know, it's a matter. I, is it a matter of preference? I think maybe it is a matter of preference. It's just a matter of preference. But um, they're both just powerhouses. Here's what's interesting. Here's what I didn't remember. Uh, we don't need another hero plays over the ending credits of the movie. Hmm. With that um, choir. But, oh, it's so good. But Tina Turner sang the opener to the movie, too. Oh, I didn't which, know that. Which was called One of the Living. Do you even remember that? No, I don't. Well, it sounds like this. So One of the Living was also a hit. It, it only got to number 15, and it did actually win the Grammy Award for Best Female uh, Rock Vocal Performance. So there you go. Huh. Wow. Now, I didn't see that coming. 
At this point, you're probably wondering, it, it is it is a righteous song by a legendary artist who was, by the way, just nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What possibly could have kept it out? Hmm. Well, maybe another movie song. Yeah, another movie song. This one by John Parr. Here we go again. Santa was fire within parentheses. Man in motion. John Parr, a friend of the show. I did a one-hour interview with him on live Facebook for the '80s cruise. Epic. And when he he played, I think three or four songs during that hour on his acoustic guitar. Just happened to have my guitar here. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Spearsy sobs like an idiot. During uh, Man in Motion. No, no, no. That was a very genuine moment. It was. Anybody who sees it, anybody who sees it, if you disagree with me, bring it. I don't sob. I I just, I get teary and, um, but anyway, it goes without saying. Go back and and listen to that podcast because you'll hear John Parr explain the song. There's no reason for me to explain it again. I will say this, though, and I don't think we talked a lot about this. But when the website Song Facts interviewed John Parr about this song in particular, he said, quote, Fortunately, I didn't see the film, specifically because the phenomenal force of nature known as Cinema's Fire was a metaphor. To me, it was the embodiment of a dream, a focus to strive towards, you know, as it glows in the sky. In the movie, Rob Lowe pulls out a gas canister and tells Demi Moore not to get too hung up on her problems. He lights the gas and as he ignites it, dismisses it as no big deal, like Cinema's Fire. That would have killed it for me. Hmm. So. Well, Rob Lowe has that effect on people. <laughs> oh, he's fantastic. His, uh, he, his, is, he has grown into the elder statesman we all hoped he yes, would become. Yes, he is. So episode 552, if you want to go back, is the John Parr interview. And it was funny. And if you go to the Stuck in the East page, you can actually still watch, I think, the video as well. Mm, so good. So, so Brad, good. Brad, what is the third of the uh, Close But No Cigar songs for this week? The third of these, this is what I want to do with that John Parr interview. This is Cherish by Cool and the Gang. cool in the gang we could talk about you all day long this is the third single from their 1984 album emergency which is their top seller of all time the first single misled made it to number 10 the second single fresh fresh made it to number nine so we're just climbing the ladder here slowly slowly this was number two for three weeks in the fall of 85 uh pretty sure we talked about joanna on the 1983 close but no cigar show sure and this is their other number two hit and what's their only number one hit steve celebrate yep that's a gimme that's like a two-foot putt and i don't even play golf where did this song come from you ask 
this album was recorded in the Bahamas, and while they were there for the sessions, uh, lead singer James J.T. Taylor, not that James Taylor, but J.T., was walking on the beach one day, and he saw his bandmates' kids were all playing together on the beach, and he thought to himself, how blessed we are. God has been good to us, and we should cherish it. Oh, nice. Ronald Bell, the sax player and music director, gave Taylor a track, and he wrote the song, like just sat down and plowed it out. He said it's the only time he'd ever sat down and just written a song start to finish in one session with no changes. Um, the producer on the track, Jim Bonifond, wanted to rewrite it, and brought Sandy Linzer in, who had worked on Fresh, to help out. But Linzer basically said, nope, not doing it. Years later, he told Billboard, quote, they used maybe a couple lines in the chorus that I gave them gratis, but I thought the song was perfect. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's, you know, game recognizes game. The song has special meaning to Robert Coolbell, who we saw on the cruise. One, I think the only founding member still touring with the group who found out that his father was listening to the song when he died in October 1985, not long after it peaked out in the charts. You know I want to talk about the video, but this one is not that exciting either. Uh, it's pretty much what you'd expect, given the origin story. JT's on the beach. A pretty lady appears in the surf. Might be a mermaid. It's not clear. The band sings. They go to what looks like a wedding and drink water out of wine glasses. And then it all wraps up with the bonfire. The end. Huh. Are beach bonfires a thing in Florida, Steve? No. It, I'm pretty sure those are strictly verboten. You can, really? You can do them. What will happen sometimes is if you're staying in a beach hotel, they might have a fire pit that they mm -hmm. you know can control. They might do that. In Tampa Bay, where I grew up, we had what we called causeways, and uh, they cross the body of water that is actually known as Tampa Bay. And uh. the, it's a little bit more lawless there, I guess you could say. <laughs> well, you are like the pirate town and all. Yeah, and people would do bonfires there, but I still think those were not allowed either. But but yeah. uh, everyone sort of uh, turned a blind eye to that. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about it. I know in the 80s we would have bonfires at the beach, but you would go to some of the public beaches had concrete fire rings that okay. you could have fires in. And it was always like... In college, we would stop behind the grocery store and grab a pallet or two, um, because why not? Uh, I'm trying to remember the last time I had a bonfire at the beach, though. It's not really in the cards anymore. I, but. I loved fires when I was a kid and in the Boy Scouts. I mean, that was what you lived for. That's the only reason you went on camping trips was so that you could- So you could burn stuff. Burn stuff, and then in the middle of the night, you'd throw firecrackers into it and scare the <laughs> sh shit out of the troop leaders. Yeah, yeah. we have a little fire pit in our backyard now. We don't use it as much as I'd like, but it is nice. It's just kind of a it's a time commitment. You know, you start stuff burning, you got to kind of wait for it to stop. Yeah, no, not, patience anyway, is not my thing. This is fascinating, I know. <laughs> cool and the Gang, obviously a household favorite around here. I won't tell any more Cool and the Gang stories, but let's talk about who kept them out of the number one spot. Steve, it takes two bands to hold down Cool and the Gang because there are so many of them. The first song... This track you might remember from the MTV. We got to install microwave oven, custom kitchen deliveries. We got to move these refrigerators. We got to move these color TVs. Well, it's one of our seggies, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Money for nothing. Number one for three weeks. What could I possibly tell you about this song, gentle listener, that you don't already know? 
The answer is nothing. <laughs> the video is groundbreaking. Oh, thanks. Oh, did you know Sting sings on this? Really? <laughs> Mark Knopfler wrote it after overhearing delivery men in a New York department store complain about their jobs while watching MTV. So art imitates life, which imitates art, which is life or something. Wow. Let me write that down. Yeah, put that on a t-shirt, friend. What's what's the other song? The other song is this track, Oh Sheila from Ready for the World. Oh Sheila, let me love you to the money comes. Oh, oh Sheila, One glorious week in the sun for Ready for the World with this number one song. Flint, Michigan band. I think they flew a little too close to the Prince Sun, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that week when you listened to the American Top 40, you weren't paying close attention when Casey Kasem did the song intro, you would probably think that was a Prince song. Yeah, It sounds very Princey. The vocal sounds like Prince. The instrumentation sounds like Prince. It's just, you know, okay. I mean, good for them. It worked. But... You know, according to the band, the song has nothing to do with Sheila E. The singer Melvin Riley tried a series of names, and Sheila fit the song the best, he thought. I really, really wanted to call these guys a one-hit wonder who had a number one hit because that would just be glorious. But they also got Love You Down to number nine in 1986. Wow, there we go. I don't remember that song at all. I don't either. Second half of the 80s, I'm telling you, that pop music just kind of disappeared for me. I was... We were in college. We were listening to college radio. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I was thinking about that because Cherish was in the fall, and we would have been in college. I was in college, but I still know this song. I I know for a fact I wasn't listening to any radio stations actively that would have played this song, but it just kind of got into your brain. I don't think I – I mean, I'm sure I heard Cherish at, at one point back then. But I don't. I don't think that I even remembered that it was a Cool in the Gang song until we saw him perform. So, yeah, Take maybe I heard it at one of the. Maybe I heard it at one of the proms that I went as the safe date friend date when I was a freshman in college. Oh well, that's good. As long as you're was, not hanging on to that as some emotional baggage. No, no, I was like the at my church, like I had several young women. Uh, who were seniors that were looking for a safe and friendly date to take them to a, a prom or a winter farm or something would ask me. <laughs> I, I know. I, t- I don't. It's I a cottage industry. I, 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 won't, I don't think anybody – would I have been considered a safe date back then? I don't think. I wouldn't be considered a dangerous date, but – You would have been a mustachioed date. Uh, freshman year, yes. I still had the stash. I shaved it off the summer of my fr- – after my freshman year. People were shocked. <laughs> It's still, we're still waiting for it to come back I, it's, on the cruise next year. It's come back a few times. I, I had it one time in Vegas. I think you were there for that. I grew the whole stash and Van Dyke treatment. And I probably don't remember that due to overconsumption. <laughs> well, it's funny because that same trip was when Chase Squires broke into the bathroom and took a photo of me in the shower, <laughs> which I think I still have somewhere. <laughs> I can put it online in the show notes. It's it's just you know I mean it's nothing. Uh huh. There's no old man Johnson's farm or anything like that. It's just <laughs> a lot of steam and it's not the farm we're worried about. It's the tractor. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, get us out of this cul-de-sac, Steve. What's next? Okay, the next song came in uh, November 1985. 
Glenn Fry gives us this epic tune. You belong to the city. Most people remember this from Miami Vice because it was yeah. recorded specifically for the Miami Vice soundtrack. Huh. So successful it was that it helped that that album reach um, the top spot of the Billboard 200 chart for 11 weeks. Wow! It was the best selling, best selling. It was the best selling album of the year. Obakaba. <laughs> the song that kept it out, though. It has some stories about it. Here's a song we all remember from Starship. We built this city. You could talk about we built this city for hours. There's entire articles. There's there's probably a book in the works about we built this city and where where are you on this song steve that's I what en- i need to know i enjoy it i don't have any problem with we built this city when starship performs it today i enjoy it i, I sort of sing along um, sure it is not on my list of the worst songs of all time unlike uh, i think it was rolling stone that famously put it on top of their uh, 2011 poll so well you know what this is a if you ask me and I just did, so that counts. If you ask me, this is a, a really good pop song. Yes. Is it like a great rock and roll song? No. I don't think it's a great rock and roll song, but it's catchy. You can hum along with it. Yeah. It's got some, some fun parts to it. I think this song gets a, a bad rap. It does. There, there was a couple of things I learned about it today that I didn't know before. Like I mean, We all knew about the being on the worst of lists. The whole shtick where the DJ is announcing some news, that wasn't even in the original version of the song. That's in like a remix of it. But The, the DJ- city that rocks. The city that never stops. <laughs> yeah. But that DJ is Les Garland, who was an executive at MTV at the time, and a very good guy to know if you want to get your video played on MTV. Hmm. Interesting. So, that might come up again later. Yeah. Grace Slick, though, is not a fan of this song. Uh, she had some very... whatever did she cash the check that's all i want to know did she, she cash the check does, I, why, why so mean why so angry Brad? i get so i get so angry when people step away from their successful stuff say oh it's garbage well she didn't write like, it she performed on it i uh, know with someone holding a gun to her head i did a i did an entire podcast about uh the princess bride i don't it doesn't mean anything <laughs> the uh that, yeah. that's gonna get me in trouble with a lot of people i'm sorry i love princess not bride. with me you don't like Princess Bride? No, I love the Princess Bride, but I'm willing to let you have your own opinion, as misguided as it may be. Okay, but what's, here's what's interesting about what Grace said. For some reason, I'm having trouble enunciating Grace's name. I keep wanting to call her Gray. Gray Slick. Anyway. It's, phonetically, you're pretty close. She said, quote, there isn't any city built on rock and roll. If you're talking about L.A., that's built on oranges and oil in the movie industry. San Francisco, that's built on gold and trade. New York, that's been around way longer than rock and roll. She said, Bernie Taupin wrote the songs about clubs closing in L.A., but the clubs aren't going to close forever in a city like L.A., so it was a pretty stupid song. And anyway, everybody thought that we were bragging about San Francisco, which we weren't. We had three songs that went to number one in the 80s. I didn't believe the lyrics in any of them. 
So okay. Brad. Is, let me just, before you ask me your next question, which I can see gathering on the horizon like storm clouds. So Grace Slick doesn't like this song because if she interprets the lyrics literally, they don't make sense. Grace, <laughs> sweetheart, turn on the radio. None of it makes sense. It's all metaphors and crap. <laughs> if you got a problem with that, I'm not even sure why you're in this business. She's not okay. in the business anymore. So, Oh, well, there you go. Maybe that's why she, she left. She's, she's, I mean, believe me, I am the world's first person to say things are dumb from a literal perspective. When I hear the line, your eyes touch me physically in the song, <laughs> the scandal, it, every time I'm like, no, they don't. No, they do not. Your eyes do not touch me physically. That is gross and squishy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a point there. I really can't debate that. But I can't ask you this. We've already spotted you one. Can you name the other two songs that went to number one for Starship in the 80s? Mm, uh, nothing's Going to Stop Us Now? Yeah. That's from The Mannequin. Yes. Uh, what's the other one? Is it is it the woman's name song? Yes. yes. Ja- it's ja- not Jane. Uh, Jane's <laughs> another song. Uh, <laughs> Good time for goodbye. Sarah. Sarah, that's it. Yes, thank you. I know it's in the chorus. I couldn't pull it out. Anyway, I I only have one last thing. If you'll just, this is the last song I'm going to present this show. I just want to have a little bit of fun. In 2018, there was a British, I, I think he's sort of like a parody artist named Mark Hoyle, who reworked this song under under the name Lad Baby. And uh, released it in hopes of making it uh, the Christmas number one. <laughs> That's a big deal in the UK, boys and girls. Yeah, it is a very big deal. I'm hoping for Billy Mac this year. Here's his version. We built this city. We built this city on sausage roll. We built this city. Come on, babe. We built this city on sausage roll. Stay in tune. If you've never had one and don't recognize the taste, it's a cylindrical bit of pork wrapped in a puff pastry case. It's so mm. much fun. I could go for a sausage roll right now. I know. Why don't we? Why aren't those more of a That thing sounds here? good. We don't have them in Florida. It's sausage mm. biscuits. I'll send you a recipe. Uh, it involves cooking. Okay, we've got one last song. To get us through the end of 1985, in which case then the 80s start to go downhill forever. What What is your final song? <laughs> so negative. I'm just going to tell you that this song might lift your spirits a little bit, but then if you listen to the lyrics and you're a literalist, they will drop them right back down. Sorry, this Grace. Is Eddie Murphy's Party All the Time. Eddie, number two for three weeks in late, late, late 1985. And this kind of makes me laugh to say this. The lead single from his album, How Could It Be? (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on. I can't talk about this like it's just a regular old record. That's just ridiculous. Did anything else even chart? uh, He 
no, man, no, not How really. How could um, it be album? Cast your mind. It's 1985, and a comedian has a record in the charts. Eddie Murphy is the one guy who's got the juice to get that done. Without it being like a, you know, it's not like a, a stand-up album. I mean, at that point, he's done four seasons of SNL. He's got 48 Hours, Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop. Best Defense, eh, you know, everyone everyone fouls out once in a while. <laughs> but apparently, he had a bet going with Richard Pryor, $100,000 on whether or not he could sing. The album liner notes to this album include the line, To Richard Pryor, my idol, with whom I have a $100,000 bet. No, mother, I didn't forget. <laughs> like, okay. Look, the 80s is just just sprinkled all around with the what it's a vanity project let's call it that but i have to say i think this is the best song by a talented person who is not primarily a singer of the decade Ooh, i don't think it's a bad song i think it's catchy no i i like it but i'm now i'm trying to think of another song by someone who's not primarily a musician that i would like like better. uh don johnson no uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be patrick swayze it wouldn't be uh, god it wouldn't be um um, Jack Bruce Wagner. Willis, <laughs> Jack Wagner, <laughs> Lisa Welchel. <laughs> I can't. I, that's yeah. It's got to be. I, it's got to be Eddie. I, I just think this is a good song, and for that, I think all credit flows to Rick James. Yes, who wrote and produced it. The song did better on the charts than anything he ever released for himself, which probably stung a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, Eddie Murphy had the advantage of being Eddie Murphy in 1985. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. He picked the right star to hitch his wagon to for that one. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the video. <laughs> so the setup on this video, it's it really is set up to make Eddie look like a capital S serious, capital M musician. Like, I'm going into the studio to record this track. There is not going to be any funny business here. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. During the instrumental lead-in, they show the engineer setting up the board. He's labeling faders. And there's, they show like the big two inch wide magnetic audio tape rolling, which obviously is not for, you know, casual musician types. That's serious business, Spearcy. We're serious about this. Eddie walks into the studio, puts on his headphones, and he just sings his little heart out, Steve. Oh, this girl, she parties all the time, leaves me at home. Boo hoo hoo. <laughs> um, one interesting note, there's the callback coming out right now. At the beginning of the video, there's a quick shot of a white guy in the control room. That white guy is... Oh, guys, is it Les Garland again? It's Les Garland. Apparently, his appearance was a peace offering by Rick James, who had accused him of being a racist when MTV wouldn't play the video for Super Freak. Oh, well, that's nice, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't you know. know. <laughs> it was interesting, because he is the only white guy in the video, and I was like, well, who's that? Can I just say this right now, in all fairness to, 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 yeah. to um, Eddie Murphy? If I were a famous actor... And I had the ability to go and record an album of music. Fuck yeah, I would go do it. Yeah, and, right. And let, let the chips fall where they may. And like, I, when I want to roll up in a nice car and hop out of my car and come in the studio, and Les Garland's behind there, and I'm going to lay down some vocals. Hell yeah! Why, why would Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, why wouldn't you do that? Actually, that's that is the uh, subject of this quote I have from Eddie Murphy in 2011. He said, "Quote: I never stopped recording music. I just stopped putting it out." Because when you see actors singing, it's like, hey, don't come in here in my music section. Stay over there. Don't do your actor over here. He's still doing it. He just kept it to himself, which, you know, that's okay. I'd like actors slash 
musicians for the most part. It's it's funny. I mean, when I think of someone like Barbara Streisand, who obviously had a nice run in the eighties with um, acting, or Cher, who had a, a really good run in the eighties with acting. Oh yeah. Um, I have zero zero point zero zero. I mean, it seems to work better if it goes the other way, like musician turned actor. But you know, yeah. you can't you can't say anything negative about Streisand or shares as as actors. They're they're fantastic. So uh, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm, I don't know why I'm like I'm sort of like this get this little manic energy going on now. I, I don't know what okay. it's all about. Well, let's let's channel that into this next song, which is uh, the song that kept it out. I have to say, you know, sometimes you have us. We talk about songs here, and you're like, "Oh, I can't believe they didn't make it to number one." But "Party All the Time" went to number two. That's a good for you moment. Good yeah. for you, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Good for you. It feels more like a number twelve. Yeah, you know, it's a top twenty, but is it a two? No, it isn't. But good for you. The song that kept it out, no denying. I'm sorry, Steve Spears may not like it, but this is number one quality. It's Say You, Say Me by Lionel Richie. Say you, say me. Say it for always. That's the way it should be. Okay, so can I talk about this song for a second? Please do. I love the movie White Nights. Um, I think you do. I, I think I do. I I volunteered to research it for a show that we've been talking about doing for a year now that we haven't done. Which is <laughs> I know. I'm going to watch it. Before we do that show, I'm going to watch it. Dance movies of the 80s. And we've, we've talked about this before on the podcast, I think, and... We've divided it up. There's going to be four hosts. We're, it's going to last for like for three hours. It's, it's going to be like the Time Life Books version of the podcast. Exactly. Six um, volumes available. Right. What volume will be mailed to you every 90 days? Right. God, I, I sort of miss those days. I know when I went to college, my mom wanted me to take all the Time Life books that I had with me. And I was like, you must be insane. Like War machines. <laughs> we'll send you a new volume of The Planes That Won World War II. <laughs> I must have I must have had hundreds of them. But you, what kind of stuff did you have? What did you focus on? It was a lot of it was a lot of war stuff. I, yeah. I was a big fan of war movies and 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 history in general. So it was it was all that. But White Knights, yes, I love the movie. This song plays over the credits, the closing credits, which to me is always kind of a cop out. And I say that for, a little bit, yeah, yeah. It's like you couldn't integrate it a little bit better into the to the movie. You just have to put it over the credits. And even when you hear it, you go. This doesn't sound like this is the song that should be playing right now. Right. We don't need another hero, which you know we were just talking about. That is a little tighter thematically yes. to the movie. And what drives me crazy, and I don't mean to, to to usurp this from you, but there's a lot of rage here. I've got to vent it before I go to sleep. Get it out, man. Get it out. Say You Say Me won the Oscar for Best Original Song, beating out another song from the same movie, Separate Lives, which is... 200 times better of a song than Say You, Say Me. <laughs> because let's and, and why is that, folks? Because Say You, Say Me has like a little upbeat part in the middle. Which makes the no separate sense. separate is sad, 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 all the way through sad, sad. You're alone. You die alone. You're born alone. Alone. So you say you know the answers to all the questions. And you're like, oh, my God. What are you doing, Lionel? But no, Separate Lives is just this dripping melancholy misery just like like 
the darkness of all hell's spirit. Like okay, class. Hold your hand big. up if you're shocked to hear that Steve Spears loves the song <laughs> "Separate Lives." I know. I love yeah. every single second of that song. I love. It's a great song. I'm 100 percent in in your camp, but I also will say I think "Say You Say Me" isn't is not trash. It's not trash. It's not. It's not. My my mind is so scrambled with hatred now and self okay. self contempt. I can't pull out. So you're gonna have to take it from here. So let me give you some facts. <laughs> Rich's label wouldn't let Atlantic Records put this on the official soundtrack album. Wow. But it shows up on his 1986 album, Dancing on the Ceiling. Um, as you mentioned, it won the Oscar for Best Original Song, Ooh. beating out Separate Lives from the same movie, which was also nominated. Just happy to be here. And I wondered, how often does that happen? You have two nominees from the same movie. It actually happened five times in the 1980s. Uh, you, got any, you got any guesses on the other four, Steve? I got a hint for you. Okay. Two Fs, a girl dressed as a boy, and an animated classic. Well, I mean, animated classic would have to be. Was it from Little Mermaid? Yep. Okay, I, you know, I've one. never seen Little Mermaid. I just know that she dies at the end. Um, <laughs> girl dresses as a boy. That that I gotta admit, that's the plot of a lot of. You've mentioned the star of this in this podcast already. Uh, why would you do this to me? Because I'm a horrible, horrible a girl person. A boy. Like I should be able to remember this. Oh, it's Yentl. Duh. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Barbara yep. Stranson okay. for Yentl. Yeah, That's um, two. And two Fs. <laughs> Francis Ferdinand. I don't why would no. you <laughs> <laughs> Fame. Oh yeah. And, and uh Flash Dance. Oh, son of a bitch. We should save that as a trivia question. Save That's a that tough a one. That would get us murdered. Well, if we made it like a bonus question or something. Yeah, or just yeah, or you or you leave some hints along the way to get them there. You'll find out soon enough, dear audience, why we're stressing about trivia already soon enough, but we can't reveal it just yet. So <sighs> super secret stuff. It's not that super secret, but it's at least off limits for now. Um, <laughs> you know what's not off limits for now, Steve? Oh, bless you, my friend. The, the Seggies. Seggies. Hey, it's time for a listener mailbag where we uh, read some emails that have been sent into us. We've actually had quite a lot lately, and we're getting a little bit of a backlog. Keep them coming, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I got to admit, we have <laughs> the, the last few weeks we've challenged you to send us letters on specific things. Like we asked you, like if you collected women's panties. <laughs> I, I guess we didn't specify what, yeah, women. What kind of creep are you? We, we just said if you if you collected panties from a romantic partner, could you please share the story? We did get, I think, two stories so far. We did. They're short, but we won't be sharing yeah. them today. Yeah, that's not the We're story. We're still talking you, to our lawyers. You really, really don't want to go into a whole lot of detail in those stories. And then a few episodes ago, we did a Cobra Kai. Like, what 80s movies deserve the Cobra Kai treatment? We specifically asked people... Because uh, the Breakfast Club was a, was a was the movie that most people said, "Hey, I want I want to find out the Breakfast Club thirty years later." So we challenged you to to provide your own treatment. Well, Lynn with three ends from Nebraska gave us a something that was about twelve pages long. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty long. Uh, Lynn apparently thinks we have some juice in Hollywood and can get this made. <laughs> Nothing, my friends, could be further from the truth. So here's here's what we're gonna do with Lynn's permission. 
is uh, well, we're gonna we're only gonna read part of his email right now. Well, Brad shows long read. enough as it is. <laughs> He's gonna drink while Brad reads it, and then if if Lynn's okay with it, and I guess I need to, I guess I will have to email him and ask him. I'm gonna post the full email as a blog item on sits.com, so you can go and read it. You know, maybe maybe in sections because it is pretty. It's pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. It goes. It's. It feels like an A to quote Thornton Mellon. <laughs> Screw you, Vonnegut. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing, Vonnegut, I'm canceling the check. Brad's going to read. So what we're going to do is we're going to read the beginning of it, and then we're going to read his his little uh, take on what happens to each one of the characters. And then, like I said, then go to SIT80s.com. And hopefully we'll have the full letter. Hopefully we'll have the um, We Built the City on Sausage Rolls video there if you'd watch. Mm. Um, I'm really what? hungry. Who knows? I really would like one of those right now. Sounds good. Flaky pastry. I could really go for some right now. I'm, I'm just. I'm. I'm really having some problems tonight. But uh, that's why I'm going to turn this over to Brad, and I'm going to sip on this nice herbal tea that I made earlier. Okay, here we go. This is from Lynn with three N's in Nebraska. Lynn writes. So, I've been thinking about your challenge to write about what uh, rendering the Cobra Kai treatment to the Breakfast Club might look like. I haven't completely fleshed this out. Mm, not sure about that one. And this paper is due very soon, so I thought I'd send you my thoughts on at least one version. The opening sequence shows the outside of Shermer High School, albeit in a more dilapidated state since it has now been 30-some years since the original detentions were served. The opening music for the intro is either I Want to Go Back by Eddie Money for foreshadowing or to give a nod to the original Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds to hearken back and hook you from the beginning. Okay. I don't really like the Eddie Money song, but okay, we're not going to editorialize. Oh, I love this. the Eddie we'll Money song. Eh. Blasphemy. Pass. The opening quote is taken from Baba O'Reilly by The Who. I don't need to fight to prove I'm right. This is a lot of text to put on the slide. I, I, I think we should just go with the other one. I don't need to fight to prove I'm right. I don't need to be forgiven. Don't cry. Don't raise your eye. It's only Teenage Wasteland. Sally, take my hand. We'll travel south cross land. Put out the fire and don't look past my shoulder. The exodus is here. The happy ones are near. Let's get together before we get much older. Just use the last three uh, lines. I think that's fine. Yeah, I think you're right. And and then you have time to read it before it goes off the screen. You have to like take a picture with your phone or <laughs> freeze frame the DVD. Wow, you're on fire tonight. I'm telling you. It's always fun to criticize other people's work. And you know, I know Lynn will take it in the spirit that is intended, which is absolute vitriolic hatred. so mean we continue okay let's stop right here and say lynn goes on to give us a pretty much a scene by scene telling of his script and i we don't really want to share all of that right now but like steve said we're going to post the whole treatment on sat80s.com assuming that lynn gives us permission for that so please go take a look at it there we'll have a link up and all that stuff when we post the show we do want to reveal the future for each character as Lynn envisions it. We won't reveal the entire story, just a quick look. So here we go, the quick rundown. Bender, he barely graduates, then on to automotive school to become a mechanic. He's married, three boys that he raised to be both tough and tender. Ah, you know, let me just say right now, let me just stop and say that at this point, Bender is probably making more money than either you or I are right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Okay, go ahead. Um, Okay, here we go. Claire. Claire continued on her way of hanging with the popular influential crowd, using her charm to get into Yale and earn a degree in marketing. That might have worked in the 80s, actually. Uh, After a successful career with Estee Lauder in product development, in which she made a boatload of cash, 
American dollars. She eventually had a midlife crisis, cashed out her stocks and stock options, and now uses her money to run a small boutique on Michigan Avenue. That's in Chicago, kids. Andrew changed his bullying ways after that detention. He still excelled at wrestling and got a scholarship to Ohio. No, no, not Ohio State. No, I think he went to Oklahoma State where he lettered all four years. While competing for a spot to represent the U.S. at the Olympics, he blew out his shoulder and was never able to wrestle at the same level again. He's married with two boys, both of whom are really into theater and music, and he's completely fine with that. Brian went on to become a repeat member of National Honor Society and Phi Beta Kappa, studying software engineering at Stanford University. Got his computer science EE dual major degree, got hired by Microsoft straight out of college, is married with three children, all of whom are limited to 30 minutes of screen time per day. Allison graduated from Shermer with average grades, far below her potential. However, she developed an impressive art portfolio, which got her admitted to Rhode Island School of Design. She is single, but she has a close circle of friends. So not a single divorce among them. Yeah, I uh, I think my version had Claire and Brian as divorced. I like this. I I like the fact that um, he thought it through. Mm-hmm. I, I I think I really like the Allison storyline. I really like changing Ohio State to Oklahoma State. <laughs> well, it is a it is a wrestling powerhouse. It's not the obvious one, which is Iowa. Well, Ohio State, I think, had a was not I've never bad. heard of that school. Not a fan of that school. <laughs> I just like to poke the bear. I know they're not, out there. I, I know you Buckeyes are out there. We will, I promise. We still have the uh, the panty stories to tell you, which... And we have a podcast time machine story to tell, too. We need the right episode for that, because that gets a little dark. So Yeah. <laughs> unlike, unlike the show normally, and my normal, usual effervescent personality. <laughs> uh, as always, send your emails to podcast at SITs.com. And Lynn, you know I love you. I'm just messing with you. Ooh, is it time to do it? Is it time for us to finally do it? <gasps> oh, Steve, let's make it happen. We have a brand new seggy for you. Here we go. Prepare to qualify. Welcome to Stuck in the Arcade. Oh. oh, yeah. Man, wouldn't that be great? You know, that's not the worst idea. Like... I wonder if we could buy the rights to Aladdin's castle, the name, and bring huh. it back. <gasps> and just as a, if you, if I, I think if you found the right locations for it, that yeah, it might work. I mean, we got to get out of this pandemic so people can go out again. But yeah, I mean, there are you know the barcade kind of yeah category of places. But I, I want like I'm thinking. The real, like, you walk in, it has a certain smell to it. It's playing 80s music at some unreasonable volume. And and just, just to help add to the um, uh, the bottom line, we'll have to add some sort of uh, food, beverage right. ser- service. Uh, mullet wig rentals. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even like a little small practice area for roller skates and stuff like that. I don't know. We'll think about that. <laughs> Uh, anyway, this is a brand new segi. We are going to play a snippet of a video game sound from the 80s. It could be an 80s arcade game. It could be a home entertainment system. Could be a game. console game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to be careful because a lot of those, a lot of the effects show up, you know, once they had it in the library, they would use it all over the place. Sure. So, so. We'll, we'll be, we'll, 
we'll we'll feel our way through this. You know, like you know, if, if people get close enough and they say, well, it's that's obviously asteroids, but it's the twenty six hundred version of asteroids. Oh no, no, that's the that's the version in the arcade. But we'll we'll uh, you know make allowances as needed. We'll act as judge and jury and uh, rule <laughs> in your favor. Yeah. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's our very first stuck in the arcade challenge. If you know it, email us at podcast at SITs.com. And tune in next time to find out who's quarters on the machine for the next game. We'll be right back after this commercial break. We're stuck, pal. We need help. Beautiful. Is there a mechanic in the house? And we're back. We have just a few minutes left. Time to thank some of our brand new patrons to the podcast. Brad, do the honors, please. Nothing would please me more. Our new patrons this week are Christopher Sampson, Cliff Rosie, and Matthew Haas. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks to each of you. It means the world to us. We look forward to hanging out with you at the Zoom happy hours. Oh, and something else that we're rolling out soon. We're going to have tears to the uh, Patreon program. Uh, Steve has tears every day. (laughs) I do. Oh, not that kind of tear. (laughs) Not the salty, salty kind. Anyway, so we will have annual membership that you can get. So if you you don't want to do monthly donations, which is how Patreon is traditionally set up for, uh, you can do that. But there's new tiers. And so some of the tiers, you would get a um, a Stuckinese t-shirt. For some of the upper tiers, you even get an invitation to help us record the Seggies. So that'll be fun. And you can just check it all out at patreon.com slash stuck in podcast. Oh, gee, Johnny, I don't have a dime. Sorry. Didn't ask for a dime. Two dollars. Hey, we hope you enjoyed our part two of the Close But No Cigar Songs of 1985. We'll be back with a new show next week. Uh, and eventually, we will begin the journey into darkness by going into 1986. <laughs> but in the meantime, Brad and I remain here, along with our new patrons, Hopelessly stuck in the eighties. Stuck in the eighties is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the eighties podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening. Tonight.